Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on this episode, we're going to do some board game banter and chat about some games. And uh, we're going to wrap that up with some news. And uh, Ryan, we got the reviews. What are you going to review? I'm going to be reviewing Ashes Reborn Rise of the Phoenix Board. (laughs) It's like a fight fest. And I'm going to do some Pavlov's House. And I'm not talking about... Ring the bell and I'll salivate. I was about to say, doesn't that ring a bell? (laughs) (laughs) Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They are the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada. And they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing stories, amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's do some board game banter. And Ryan, what Mm. you been playing? So the past couple nights, uh, my wife and I, when we after we've put the kids to bed. I've been really, really tired, and we, you know, trying to decide what we're going to do. We usually mention, like, oh, do you want to play a game? Do you want to watch some TV? Oh, we'll play a game, but what game do you want to play? Well, I don't want to learn anything new, and I don't want anything, like, really, like, complex, or I just want to play something that we really, really know. And so, actually, the past couple nights, we've played Seven Wonders Duel, and a, a favorite of ours. It's a fantastic uh, two-player only game that takes that seven wonders um esque drafting but takes it to kind of like the next level mm-hmm. where um the, the the cards are laid out in different formations and some are hidden some are revealed so you can try to plan and you can't take a card unless if it's fully revealed yeah and you're doing the same thing collecting your resources and those resources are prerequisites for other point uh for other cards but the really fun part about seven wonders duel is that it has three different win conditions. And two of those win conditions are by military strength. So mm. if I collect enough military cards, there's kind of like a tug of war yeah. uh, token that kind of pushes and comes back and forth. And so you can win by military victory. You can win by a science victory by collecting six different science symbols on the science cards over the course of the game. And if neither of those two things have been met at the end of three rounds, you just go to straight up points. Now, both of our games the past two nights have went, the first game was a military victory and the other one was a science victory. And they were both by me and my wife absolutely hated it. And she's like, why does this game have these other win conditions? Why can't it just be just straight up (laughs) points? And because she was was killing me in the points Mm -hmm. sector. I said, "I, I need to try to win this game because if it comes down to points it's not even going to be close uh 
type type of deal. But that's because when she's collecting some of the point cards, she's neglecting to oh, buy yeah. those other cards, which keeps this kind of game in, 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 in balance. You have, that's why I really enjoy this game because you have to think about, you can't let somebody run away with the science or you can't let somebody run away with the military because it's going to get out of hand by that, by that third ramp type it's, of deal. It, now I've never played it before, but I've watched a lot of people play it and it's kind of like not, not a seesaw a one way, but like a three way seesaw. That mm-hmm. that if if one thing is 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 out of balance, then then everything just kind of turns over. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the past couple of nights we've played with the expansions. So the first night we play actually played with the uh, Pantheon expansion, which adds uh, oh, cool. kind of like another phase. Um, some big like godlike cards that you can purchase starting in the second round, and they do some really funky game breaking abilities. And everything and i i actually had a power that allowed me to buy them for cheaper mm-hmm. and so uh when you actually claim one of these cards you actually when you draft them in the first round you get to pick where they go on this scale so if it's closer oh, cool. to you that's cheap for you but expensive for your opponent yeah but i had this power that made things cheaper for me so i was able to buy the cards that were farther away from me and cheap for jen and she hated that like I was taking her stuff that she had planned that she was going to purchase and I swapped, I stuck them away from her. Um, and then the other night we played with the Agora expansion, which kind of brings in a little bit of like an area control oh, cool. type thing. And whoever controls the certain seats in the Senate gets like a special little perk or a special little bonus. If And if you control so many, now I'm already forgetting, but if you control <laughs> so many of them, that's another win condition now. It's a fourth win condition. If you've controlled so many seats in the, in the Senate, like it, uh, you, you win the game as well. And so, uh, how is Jen with that one? She hates that one too. <laughs> That's a, just another thing to pay attention to in what's supposed to be a simple game, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to think at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so that won't be hitting the table soon (laughs) oh we 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 still love it she accepts that it's part of the game but she just doesn't like it because she always forgets to focus on those other things and just go straight for the points Well, you should remind her i do (laughs) no you're probably thinking this is the only time i get to win (laughs) <laughs> well that that's true she schools me in pretty much everything else that we ever played but seven wonders duel one of the great two-player games i i we, we've talked about it. i think i might actually do this in a future topic of nice. two-player games yeah I, th- I think i might everybody should know what the number one is on that list i think can i go can, can i go an episode without mentioning targi i think you mentioned targi once or twice yeah spoiler yeah. alert <laughs> well uh, I had the chance this week to uh, to play a few games, and uh, um, once I uh, I saw this one hit the hit the radar uh, uh, pinged on my phone, and because you can't really find it too often, and that's uh, the the Manhattan Project Energy Empires by Luke Laurie and Tom Jolly, mm. and um, this one is. Uh, it, and and not that I have a lot of Luke Lurie games, but I follow a lot of his games, and he likes his worker placement, and I think he does a very good job when it comes to uh, understanding how to manipulate worker placement. And uh, but in this case, um, Energy Empire is basically you're representing countries 
that are trying to, and it's all, it's all victory points, right? Um, but how you get those victory points um, is an interesting way through the idea of, uh, of what type of energy and what type of kind of philosophy that your, your country is going to go through. And in doing so, um, it, like I said, it's worker placement and every worker placement has the ability to get more workers. So you'll see a lot of the same mechanisms on this board where there's going to be places to get resources. There's going to be places to get money. There's going to be places to convert things. Um, what is interesting about this game though, is the timer of the game are pollution tokens that you eventually will acquire because you have to buy buildings. And the buildings are divided into three areas. It's the government market, the industry market, and the commerce market. And uh, like any market, there's going to be uh, uh, buildings that are on the cheaper side and as they slide down the market, uh, or sorry, the expensive side and as they slide down the market, they get cheaper. So there's going to be competition for these, uh, these buildings that you buy to put in your tableau. And these buildings themselves will, will have your own worker pace, placement spots where you can um, get your own engine going, where you don't have to rely on the boards, let's say, generic um, uh, worker placement slots. Um, <clears throat> this game, uh, the, the cool part about this game is that there's dice because uh, like I said, Energy Empire, you have to choose if you're going to go with, uh, with green energy or if you're gonna go with fossil fuel energy. And if you're gonna go with fossil fuel energy, there's gonna be waste products. And that comes back to this timer that uh, as some buildings, if once you build them, thematically speaking, will generate waste. So that's what starts to get these timer tokens. And every time that you clear a slot on this uh, pollution track, uh, on the bottom of it is an event card. And it's hmm. six rounds. The first three are events that positively enable the players. And then the last three are event cards that negatively impact the players. And uh, yeah, it is. And you've got your own tableau that can, you know, build points. And as you pull these pollution tokens off, you put them on your tableau and you have a air, land, and water track that you're trying not to pollute because as clean as you can get it, you get victory points uh, awarded for lack of pollution on your tableau um bottom line this is a very fun worker placement game uh, a lot of cool thought angles in it now this is a 2016 game and i think i'd, I'd mentioned this uh to you before that uh it's a 2016 game and as far as solo games go 2016 there wasn't really much push into the development of the solo mode right um, it was burgeoning. I mean, most of the time it was try to get your highest score, mm -hmm. right? Um, this one, and I don't think this, is this an out of print game that I'm talking about? I'm not too sure. Um, I, I've seen it every now and yeah. then. Maybe people still have stock of it. I, I, okay. But um, I would say if, if this thing comes back or it gets republished, it could use a vamping, a revamping on uh, the solo mode. But I I want to play this with multiple players because um, it can it it to me it has that that viticulture kind of kind of 
bumping and, and, and excuse me, let me come here. Um, the, and I could talk about how the energy works that you generate because if somebody's in one spot, that's great. You can go there too. But as far as the, the elevation of your worker, you have to be higher. So you have to, if there's one worker, then you have to put an energy and your worker. Well, if you, another person want to come, then you have to put two energy underneath in your worker. So you have to boost that energy to be able to do that turn. And that's where these energy dice come that, that allow you the ability not to be bamboozled out of certain choices. So yeah. Yeah. This Very is cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's what Luke, I've been playing. Luke, Luke Laurie is one of those designers now that have been on my radar that if he's putting something out, I'm paying attention to kind of more like, kind of like Alexander Pfister and Jamie Stegmeier type well, of deal. Off the top, he's got crypto. Is it uh, ever no, cry, 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 cryo, 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 yeah. cryo. Um, is there like whistle mountain? Yeah. Yes. Whistle mountain with Scott Caputo. Yeah. Um, he did dwellings of Eldervale. Eldervale. That's what I was yeah, trying dwellings to get. Dwellings of Eldervale. Yeah. Um, this one, and it, uh, now I'm probably also forgetting one, but those other ones are great, great mm-hmm. worker placement style games. And if you follow him on Twitter, he's been teasing his latest prototype <laughs> thing that he's been dragging around and showing off to people that, and just from the glimpses of the pictures, I think, oh, like he's got me hooked. Cool. He's, I don't know anything about it, but the prototype looks cool. Cool. That's, that's my favorite. Cool. That's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> this episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems and all of the related accessories be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area dragon's den games louis the eighth mall on h street in saskatoon start us off with some uh, what you told me that there's a controversy well, I don't know how much controversy now when I'm thinking about how much controversy, but um, there was an app game that I had purchased a while ago. It was very well done. I really enjoyed playing it for what it was. Um, Nurishima Hex was in the app store, and this is a game that you showed me at Falcon quite a and while ago. Beat me up. Great, uh, <laughs> a great tactile miniatures like game but with cardboard chits and it works 100 beautifully yeah. that way um portal game and it was in the app store and then for a while like i mean a long time it just stopped working and they were not supporting the game anymore Aww. and uh nourishing hex uh put out by portal games uh, that's Ignacy Trevichek's, um company. Yep. Um, and it was like, people are like, what happened to this game? Why are no one supporting this game? And then all of a sudden, just an announcement out of the blue saying, hey, guess what's coming back? Nurishima Hex 3.0 back into the app store. And everybody just went, excuse me, <laughs> what? We didn't see this coming. And um, as of today, I I just noticed that it has relaunched oh and now 
all of my stuff that I had purchased in the previous edition um, is, is, but it's no longer there. Oh. All my previous stuff that I had purchased and they are working on that, but I'm look, it looks like that I might have to repurchase all of those other things. And like, I have to repurchase the game again. Ah, try. It, it, but it, from what I can tell, it's a brand new implementation. They've cleaned up. Looks like the graphics are even better than before. They've probably modernized it to like the new uh, cell phone iPad era yeah. now that yeah. they, they have better graphics cards in them now and stuff like that. But Nirishima Hex 3.0 is a fantastic two-player tactical strategic um, warlike game. They're asymmetrical factions that have their own <laughs> troops and stuff like that. And it's man, a pivot on a dime game. It's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It is so much fun. And I own the board game. Like I, and I own the board game in all 13 expansions. <laughs> man, you got forced. hooked. You got hooked big time. Yeah. We came so back from good. that and you're like, I'm getting all of the, <laughs> all uh, of the factions. Well, they, well, somebody had a sale <laughs> where it's like, get this and then get also the base game and 10 expansions for like what what I don't even know what it was like 50% of the cost or no. <laughs> yeah yep. you have up. to now you got to do it right now you got to do it and then I hunted down the other expansions that weren't part of the bundle and well cuz so you know good you got to complete See that's it, right? another lunchtime game we can have oh every now and then just bring in <laughs> the the way you play against me, you can have multiple lunchtime games with that one. <laughs> um, uh, hey, let's leave the uh, crowdfunding for the last, and let's just quickly talk about um, what's been started up lately. And I've just following on social media, and and uh, I, I don't know, man. This I'm just I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. But the uh, uh, the the convention seasons are starting. Convention season is going forward. Yeah. And- I, I don't worry. I don't think you're the only one in the hesitant oh. state about attending these. Now, especially uh, the one of the big ones, Gen Con. Yeah. Coming up. Like and Origins. In, yeah. Like, like in Indianapolis there, um, from what I've gathered on social media, their, their COVID numbers are not fantastic. I know. I know. And some crazy, some crazy <laughs> stat of like only like forty five percent of the population's been vaccinated, and five thousand cases per day. Yeah, like yeah. it's a hot. Now, a lot of people are going to be in different levels of comfort into this. Mm-hmm. So, like, but but even like you and I, we talk like we're fully vaccinated, and even us hesitantly, yeah, thinking about like, oh man, I don't even. Like we wanted to start up our own little kind of public get togethers. And we're just like, uh, maybe we'll just have to wait a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Patience is, I mean, it's okay to be patient. It's okay to be patient. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and we've had lots of great conversations already about that convention season and how many publishers are not going yeah. to the conventions. And well, what was the, uh, the covenant Remember You listened yeah, to the, the team covenant and yeah. I listened to the covenant cast podcast and they were talking about like companies are in a unique position. Like there was no Gen Con origins and everything. Scientific last year. research. And they still churned out numbers. Yeah. They made money last year and they didn't have these extra expenses. The overhead of, of traveling and- to these conventions, paying for employees to go to these things and paying for their time and stuff like that. And they still managed. They had their online components. 
um, yeah. a little bit easier to manage well, and they, type they, like that. They pivoted, right? When they when they had to pivot, and I think they yeah. successfully did that. And now and now they're in a, now they're in a position where there is going to be a physical convention. Yeah. And by not opting to go, are they still going to maintain that level of business? Like a lot of these people, they're still going to contribute to Gen Con, but on yeah. an online virtual format. Yeah. It'd be the data, um, looking at the data, that would be interesting. And I think that's what you spoke of with, with those guys because they, they come from educated backgrounds. And I think they're, you know, I, I, you, you said that they have some pretty, pretty cool degrees. To me, that means uh, do your homework. And uh, yeah, I like this approach of, of uh, comparative seasons. I mean, the, it's, it's a unique situation. Take advantage yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it works on the other side too. Like if you are a person that are comfortable going to these conventions, um, you're in a unique spot too, where like Gen Con's not going to have the 80, 90,000 people yeah. at it, but yeah. it's still probably going to, I'm still going to say this probably going to have like, like 30, 35,000 people at it. Like that's still a lot of, that's yeah. still a lot of people. That's still a rider <laughs> game down in Regina. <laughs> you're just saying that number. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, right. But, uh, but, but small, small publishers, they're, I think they're chomping at the bit yeah. for getting to these conventions. Access to these people. Yeah, because you're not going to have to compete with Asmodee. Yeah, you're not going to have to compete with the big the big dogs, and yeah. your your game can possibly stand out for yeah. thirty thousand people. Yeah. If now there's no way, considering like the the statistics and what's going on, there's no way that I would go to a con that of that size. But mm. jokingly in my head is like the only way I'd go is if you bubble wrap taped me. <laughs> and I'd just be like bouncing around like the I, Steve Puff Marshmallow I, Man. <laughs> I, I I need I need full FDA hazmat suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look like one of the uh, one of the workers uh, on Monsters Inc. with yeah. the yeah, with yellow suits. I'm gonna play. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna play. this for you. <laughs> I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a game with those like little ex- extended tong tweezers. <laughs> pick it up. Yeah, pick it up. Your kids like dirty clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, cons. I, and I'm just quickly looking at uh, the chat here, and there's a, there's a, a few indicators of people that are agreeing with this. That's like, no, thank you. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll be patient and awesome because and and, and 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 people in Saskatoon like still be patient. Like those yeah. game nights are going to come. It'll happen. We it, just, they will happen. Yeah. We're still working on things. Yeah, um, yeah. We're still, we just want to make sure that people are as safe as possible. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, I can't wait for us to roll out our cardboard retreats again and, mm-hmm. and have some uh, organized plays and yeah. I mean, <laughs> teachers, right? <laughs> yeah. So cool. They, it, like, but these things are still going to happen. We're still going to get news of Gen Con online origins online, and we're still going to get the stuff. And we're also in a unique year too, where, there, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of Christmas stock coming down the pipeline yeah. because of the shipping issues yeah. across that's, the world. And that's a topic we should have on another episode because we could. That's a long discussion of supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. So um, let's go into some uh, crowdfunding, and we talked about Portal Games. So let's let's start with uh, on GameFound, which I th- I'm seeing GameFound competing well with Kickstarters. But uh, we can chat about that later. Yeah, um, that, that's a whole nother, yeah. that might be a whole nother topic. Yeah. Uh, Portal Games is putting out, now it's, I, I'll explain to why I put this on here, but they're putting out a game called 
11 football manager board game. And for us North Americans, that's soccer, which is oh, the original football. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Football, so, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so it's, uh, uh, I'll just quickly read 11 is a football manager game for one to four players. Your task is to manage and grow your own football club and outperform the other teams over the course of a season. You will hire staff, develop your stadium, sign up sponsors, transfer players and play matches against each, uh, uh against other clubs. Um, as far as sport games go, I put this on here because man, am I curious how they're going to pull this off. Mm. right um the uh not i'm not curious you know it's like wow this is an impossible task but it's uh the the part in me that wants to see a version of this because uh, some people know that i have a, a, a an elite level field across background and uh if this works in my head i'm going Ah, uh, we need to have a field lacrosse version of this game, please. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where my curiosity is. And I got I'm just gonna back up for a second here. I'm gonna grab something off the shelf that uh, uh oh uh, yeah. reminds me of he's getting to that age where he could throw his shoulder out too. Blood Bowl team Blood manager Bowl. the card game. This yeah. kind of reminds me of of that where you're gonna be kind of playing a game of american style football yeah but it's all about the fans and getting yeah. people to getting people into your games and stuff like that this idea of developing your stadium and, and sponsors that to me that's a, a reminiscent of uh when i used to play um, madden football where you could get into that manager mode and you can you know you know, attribute some of your assets into sponsorship and upgrading mm. your stadium to get more revenue. So they, uh, I remember Madden, I forget what season or what year it was, had that add-on. Um, right. And I, I tried it. It was interesting, but to me, I thought, I'm playing Madden football to play Madden football, not to manage the team. <laughs> it's not Excel <laughs> spreadsheet, the video game, right? So um, Ooh, wait, Excel was spreadsheet the 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 game. Now you got me hooked. <laughs> so yeah, that's where that's where my curiosity lies with this one. So, what do you think? What do you think? Interesting. It's a very interesting concept. At the time of this recording, there is only eleven hours. Oh no, eleven the hours to the campaign yeah. launches. Oh, yeah. so it's gonna be fresh. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And that was another reason too, because I thought, hey, when this when this goes, when this comes drops, out. Yeah. It'll be perfect. It's, I have to, okay. I'm gonna have to pay attention to this. I don't know if the theme's grabbing me, but the concept of the game seems pretty interesting. Let's track it. Let's track this game. You do that, and I'll let track me know the how game. Goes. I'm, I'm tracking other games. Yeah, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's called an addiction. Um, uh, do you want me to lead this one off? Or, yeah, because yeah, you yeah you go for it. Because I don't it's know all anything about, about the this RPG. one either. This one, I mean, I, I spoke about uh, in, in our other episode about entry-level games, uh, how uh, um, I love my RPG and, and more specifically uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Awesome! Um, but this one is Down We Go Infinite Edition by Tony from Plus One. I don't think I've heard of Tony Plus One. Um, so Down We Go captures the heart of old-school tabletop tabletop RPG flavor with simple core rules. This globally developed game includes procedures, adventures, hex crawls, 
and a new core setting, venture to uh, Infinopolis, a twisting city that hungers for gold, jewels, and blood to keep it running. So grab a torch, grab a blade, and seek your fortune as down we go. Um, that introduction, I read that one, and that was what prompted me to go boop, put this on there. And also, too, from your perspective that I remember you in university and when in high school, you said you used to do some RPG stuff. And uh, um, to me, uh, the, the artwork drew me in. And it's a very simplistic black background with white line artwork that uh, has, a, has a pretty interesting mood to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it seems interesting. And I'm, I'm, not, yeah, a, I'm not a big, I'm not a big no. RPG or yeah. into like anymore or anything like that. Yeah. But which is why you're probably the, the, a really good metric because then you can just like the, the aesthetic. The aesthetic is. seems really cool. I would like to see this aesthetic more in a, like in, in more in board games. Actually, yeah. that just black and white and dark. It's got you know. Uh, it reminds me of some Frank Miller stuff. Oh, I love Frank Miller. I love. Remember, I love Sin a lot City. of a lot of his. Uh, yeah, a lot of his groove was that monochromatic uh, use of light and and just yeah. oh, so yeah, maybe maybe that's what pulled me into this because it has some nostalgic feel with the nostalgic feel of RPGs. But I like that idea of. I mean, I'm always curious on how someone can use how how they use like a, a mechanical structure to assist in the in the in the rollout of a story so yeah and i and i'm i mean i'm gonna take i'm gonna go look into this because i i haven't really looked at how much it how much they're they're asking but uh i mean it's it's rpg it's paper so i might <laughs> i might i might back this thing i don't know curiosity the curiosity's getting me Oh, if anything, you get like the lore and the story and everything like that. Yeah, cool. I mean, here's their their tag. A rules light and old school flavored tabletop role-playing game. That, I mean, that's sellable to me right there. Cool. (laughs) Hi. If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing... Please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for board game podcasts. And if you have the time, check out our new YouTube channel where we have new content every few days. Just search Bridge City Board Gamers on YouTube. Thanks, eh? Oh. The human torch was denied a bank loan today. <laughs> okay, here we go. That's got to stay in. Can you please and, leave that in? And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to do some reviews, and I'm going to go straight to Ryan with this one because I'm still giggling from what happened before we started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... My game I'm going to review today was a no-brainer. It's been something I've been playing a lot of the past little while, over the past about six or seven weeks or so. And that is going to be Ashes Reborn, Rise of the Phoenix Born. Now, it's come out in 2021 here. 
but it was originally released way back in 2015. And I'm going to get into the story about it a little bit later. Um, it's published here by Plat Hat Games and designed by Isaac Vega. Artists, uh, it's a team of artists by Thander Lynn, David Richards, and Fernanda Suarez. Now, Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. I, I got I got to read the description oh, yeah. here on. BGG I love reading the description. Yeah. It, it's it's very it's fairly epic in the scale. The publisher put work into this. We got to read it. So, in Ashes: Rise of the Phoenixborn, a two-player expandable card game, players take on the roles of Phoenixborns, demigods, and protectors of this world. These characters are the great saviors of their civilizations. Before they came into existence, the humans were plagued by monsters like chimeras that took away their lands and forced them to live in walled-off cities. When the Phoenix Bordens came, they fought off the Chimeras and freed the lands for humans to take over once again. But the time of peace was short-lived. The prophecy arose that if one Phoenixborn was able to absorb enough ashes of the others, they would ascend into full gods, taking mastery over this world. This, as well as humans' greed for land, fueled the War of Ashes. The great cities now fight amongst each other, each one of them with a phoenix born at its helm, and you will decide who will rise and who will fall to ashes. Ashes Reborn is now uh, now here. So, like it said, <laughs> it is this customizable card game. Now, there is a core box of Ashes Reborn that you can buy, and it comes with six fully built phoenix born decks of cards. Now, a deck of cards consists of 30 cards, uh, and these pre-built ones come with 10, copy, uh, 10 cards of three copies each. Now, what you're doing, and, and this is kind of like the fun part about Ashes. It is a very, like, I was a Magic the Gathering player way, way, way back in the day, and I've always dabbled in these card, dueling card type games. Ashes has got one of the simplest systems for it that, that I've ever seen. Now, what you're doing is you on your turn, you're going to take a main action and then you may do a side action and you can do them in either order. Mm -hmm. Now, your main action is either play a card, fight, or pass. You have to do one of those yeah. three things on your turn. And then your side actions are manipulating dice. I haven't talked about dice yet, but <laughs> dice are your magic in this game. Yeah. So like games like Magic the Gathering, you have to have cards in your deck and you have to draw them in order to play them out so that you can play your cards. All of your cards in Ashes will have some sort of dice cost. And there's three levels to the dice. There's basic, there's your class, and then there's your power. And there's only one side of the dice that is your power your really, really powerful effects need power dice. Mm -hmm. Now, one of your side actions is to meditate. And this is a really neat thing because at the beginning of your round, you roll the dice and you get what you get. What was my, what my son said? You get what you get and you don't get upset. Well, in this game, I get very <laughs> upset if I roll badly. And like any other game with dice, if you roll badly, you're going to get upset. Now, here's where the meditate action is going to come into play. If I meditate, I have to either discard cards off the top of my deck, discard cards from my hand, or discard cards that are in play. And for every card that I discard in this way, 
I can change one of my dice to any side that I want. So I'm mitigating that luckness, but I do have to take a side action in order to do it. Now, a lot of other cards are going to have side actions associated with them. And there's a whole schwack load of abilities that you can have yeah. in, the, in this game. And essentially, it's this back and forth. There's different types of cards. There's spell cards. And your Phoenix Born, whoever they are, are going to dictate how many spell cards you can actually have on the field. They also have a battlefield uh, number, and that is how many units you can control in, like, say, fights and okay. stuff like that. So... A Phoenix Born might have a battlefield of six, but a spell board of three. Yeah. Whereas another Phoenix Born could have a totally reversed. Lots of spells, not so many units. And every one of them is ever so unique in their play styles. Mm -hmm. Straight up aggressive, or you can mill your opponents like out of their deck and stuff like that. Lots of different things going on. But the core concept is that on your turn, you take a main action and you may take a side action. I'm just going to leave it at that for the game mechanics <laughs> because the this is a this is a dueling card game. A lot yeah. of the intricacies come in that card in that card play. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get into some of my opinions, the ins and outs. Oh, I didn't get I should get into like how I actually win the game. You win the game by knocking your opponent's <laughs> life down to zero. <laughs> Yeah, you fight them down. It's a slugfest. There's actually a, a kind of cool thing is that once your deck is run out of cards, like one of the things you have to do at the beginning of your turn is draw up to five cards. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've run out of cards, and for every card you cannot add to five, you actually have to take a life. So once you've ran out of cards, the opponent has to start taking life. Yeah, you start tanking. Okay, box box art. It's your standard ticket to ride size box. Actually, there's a lot of room for oh, cool. the storage of the components and the art on it is actually very vibrant and very, um, this one, this version, Oh, I guess I can get into the different versions. Like there's <laughs> one that came out in 2015, still stellar artwork. This one just takes it up to 11. Now, like the artwork is, is highly enhanced. A lot more play with the colors and bringing it uh, to the forefront. Here, so the the box, and I see why they do this. It's a card game. Yeah, it's got to stand out on the shelf. It's got to stand with all the other board games. Yeah, um, I see why. Like they're they're trying to stick with the board game concept, but they could have released this as a card game in card game size boxes, mm -hmm. one hundred percent. But I digress. Components in this game, fantastic. Custom dice with their own, like every set of dice. Like there's different styles of dice and that's your different styles of magic and they all have their own symbols on them and they're all custom for that so and they're nice weighted they're very vibrant and the cards and the rest of the game is all cards yeah and they're great and they're great quality they're fantastic quality very easy to read everything's laid out very very nicely um the rule book i now hold in my hand here the 1.5 edition of the rule book <laughs> It boasts 28 pages of small pages and very large text. So it is what it is. 28 pages, but a lot of it is like, oh, deck building. How do yeah. you build your decks? Yeah. Oh, drafting. Here's some different rules. If I were to actually look at this for actual gameplay content, 
we're probably looking at maybe 10 pages of text and it's not hard. Yeah. And if you're experienced with these kind of games, you just kind of slide into it. Even if you're not experienced with these types of games, this is a very easy read and it outlines things very uh, explicitly, lots of examples of what's going on. So if you are not a card game player, you can actually pick this game up really quite, uh, I would say really quite easily. Oh, right on. Uh, the game system, it's that dueling card game where it is, I have a deck of cards, you have a deck of cards, we are going to fight each other to the best of our abilities until somebody comes down. Uniqueness. This <laughs> game has tons of uniqueness to it. And that's why actually I've started to really fall in love with this type of game. Here's one unique thing. In every other dueling card game, you shuffle up your cards at the beginning of the game, and then you deal yourself out your deck of, your, your hand of cards. You look at them, you get a mulligan, discard some things, yeah. redraw things. The opening hand is random. Ashes Reborn, the opening hand is not random. You actually get to choose yeah. your starting five cards, and they call it the first five. So right out of the gate, you are not going to be screwed by random card draw. Mm-hmm. You get to pick the engine you start your game with. And that's actually very important, too, based on the matchups you're going to have. If I know that I'm going to be going against an aggressive Phoenixborn, I might need to start off my game a little bit more defensive. Yeah. yeah. Or I just have a plan. Yeah. I know how my deck is supposed to run. I'm going to get it going right off the get-go. Fantastic. Dice are the magic. That's another really unique thing about this in that I can easily manipulate the dice for how I want them. Uh, you, you don't see that in a game. And then also the simplicity of the turn structure. Yeah. Take a main action, maybe take a side action. That's it. Yeah. And then what I can do with my units, well, you're either fighting your Phoenixborn or you're fighting a unit. Yeah. There's no, it, it's so clean. And like you said, the card does a good job at dictating what its power is, what its function yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's a counterpoint to that. Some of these cards have lots of text on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, if you're not yeah. familiar with the cards, yeah. you will spend the first time playing through. If it's the first time you're incorporating that card, you're going to be reading it. Um, Rob from the Meeple Dungeon and I have been streaming this mm-hmm. game. There's uh, six games of it right now on our YouTube channel. Lots of the games, some people have mentioned that sometimes it seems like we are frozen in time. But that's because <laughs> we're actually sitting there, we're reading our cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of mouth breathing. Actually, uh... Yeah, trying to figure out what they exactly do. Now, that's just going to come with experience. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out what the keywords do, you're and off to the races. Yeah, yeah. But it is going to take some time to get familiar with the with those well, keywords there's lots but there's lots of different keywords in, yeah. in this game <laughs> so uh that was connecting man are the spells that you can cast on your players very thematic in what they do and your allies are very thematic to what I would think that like a big di- like I can summon a dinosaur. And of course, <laughs> that dinosaur right. <laughs> that dinosaur is going to be a tank. Like it's got big stats. And yeah. It's got um, so stuff like that. It's it is connecting. I do feel like we are all playing. Like our Phoenix Borns are very quite different in the magics that they control mm-hmm. and the spells that they're able to do. Like I was playing a guy. 
his card said choke. It, and so it was literally, I'm imagining this guy force choking this other guy. He's, do, he's yeah. exhausting the guy, dealing some damage at the same time, like stuff like that. It really, really quite cool if the cards can actually connect to what, what you're actually doing. Okay. I'm talking a lot about this game <laughs> and I'm talking very positively and I know I have not played this as much as maybe some of my other card games that I really, really enjoy. But I think this one is definitely one of the best dueling card games that are out there. And it's so sad that you don't hear about it talked about. Well, good. And, that you guys are playing it. Yeah. And this is a little bit of the history of behind it, too, because it was one of Plat Hat's going to be one of their it was boasting that it was going to be like one of their evergreen titles. The thing that's going to keep Plat Hat going over and over and over again. And then Asthma Day came around and acquired <laughs> Plat Hat Games. Yeah. And this was one of the games that was on the chopping block. It was not going to get supported anymore. And it had a huge following fan base. Now, many years later, um, owner of Plat Hat, I'm forgetting his name right now. I think his name is Colby. Um, reacquired the rights to some of his games from, from Asthma Day. Mm-hmm. And Ashes Reborn was one of those things. I think it was a passion project. Yeah. And so right. they brought it back as a subscription service. They teamed up with Team Covenant, the Covenant oh, cast that right. I like yeah, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And they said, if we can get so many people to subscribe to this game, it's not Kickstarter. Yeah. If we just get so many people interested that they're going to purchase this game, we will reprint it. And not only reprinted, Isaac decided to go back and he rebalanced. A lot of people were complaining about the balance of the original game. Mm-hmm. So he rebalanced 40% of the card, existing card. Wow. So he redesigned. And I can't imagine what that game looked like before because this one is fantastic. Everything is so tight. Minus some of the games that we played on stream were quite one-sided. A lot of our games have been very tight and very close. But we have discovered that some of the pre-constructed decks, some are definitely way better than others. And there's mm-hmm. definitely one-sided matchups that we didn't know about. But you look at our stream to figure yeah. out what some of those matchups well, that's were. A, and that's a cool thing is that you can go back and you can learn, right? So yeah, kudos to you guys. Yeah, so I'm in love with this game. And I can't imagine, like I haven't even played with the constructed format. And apparently that is where this game is beautiful. <laughs> it's fun, because yeah. Because there's no like set type of deck. Any card that's been released for this game can be put into any deck. Oh, it's like sandboxed that that wide open. Cool. Yeah. And as long as you have the dice in order to pay for the cards, that's what that's the that's the thing about it, too. So a lot of this games you'll see on the stream, we've either played with one color dice or two colors of dice, Mm -hmm. but you could have five different colors of dice based off the cards that are you've put into your into your deck so it, i can't imagine what those decks look like because i get <laughs> ap when i only had two different colors to manage yeah, yeah. i really like the mono color decks because <laughs> there's no thinking of the resources so in the end all be all ashes reborn is literally its name it is a game that died <laughs> and has now come back to life and I really, really hope people can discover it again. Because if you enjoy Magic the Gathering and you like dueling type card games, you need to check out Ashes. 
Cool. It is by far the smoothest implementation of a game. Um, a lot of people say it's it's chess with cards. It is so tactile back and forth and waiting for your opponent to make the one mistake. Yeah. And as soon as somebody makes the one mistake, that is the opening. And you better take it because it's coming back on it's coming back to your opponent the next turn and they've probably figured it out should i uh should i ask you the shelf question yet oh this is top shelf 100 <laughs> this game is going nowhere because it is fantastic right I, on I, like i can kick a lot of other competitive card games to the curb because of this game simplicity is the main factor and there's so much depth so, so, so much depth in the interactions of the cards and the combos that you can build. Cool. Um, I just played on stream a mill deck. I, I saw Becca Scott today on Twitter say, hey, if you're that type of player that plays mill decks, I hate you. <laughs> and then Rob tagged me in it. I'm like, because I'm the mill guy. I, if there's a, like, I'm the blue, I'm a blue magic player, the guy that everybody hates. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Oh, yeah. So it's so much fun. <laughs> I'm in a euphoric moment right now. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Talk about I can this. have this kind of like, you know, uh, uh, endorphin rush um, uh, I, I, mine's kind of, the, well, you know what? Mine's not a dueling game, but it's kind of a dueling solo thing. And, um, I, I found this, this was through board game Oracle. I keep talking about this, this, that's, that's the, that's the website that'll find you the game that, that there's one copy in all of Canada. And it's kind of felt like this. And, um, I'm going to talk about Pavlov's house, uh, 2018 designed by David Thompson of the Undaunted series and, uh, and War Chest, um, published by Dan Versen Games or DVG. And uh, um, yeah, uh, it is one to three players, but you know what? It's a solo game. Uh, plays 60 to 75 minutes. Uh, if you're me uh, and you play poorly, sometimes that's uh, 25 minutes. Uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, a 12 and up. So there's some complexity to it, but it's not, don't be, uh, uh, um, uh, it basically, this is the battle of Stalingrad. It's a war game, but don't be intimidated by the idea of the war game. This is, uh, really accessible. Um, so, uh, as we like to do in our reviews, we like to break it down um, and I just gave you the details and I'm going to go into the overview and the nuts and bolts here. And in doing so, um, we love, we love, uh, as, as Ryan had uh, done, um, the, the publishers do such a great job writing these intros and these overviews that we're just going to read them. So in this one, in Pavlov's house, you take control of the valiant defenders of a Soviet strongpoint in Stalingrad 
as they hold out against constant German attacks for almost two months. You also control the key leaders throughout the Soviet 62nd Army that made the defense of Pavlov's house possible. Object of the game, the goal of Pavlov's house, is to last until the defenders of Pavlov's house are tasked with storming a key German strong point during the Battle of Stalingrad. In the game, this is depicted by playing through a deck of cards representing elements of the German 6th Army. And the introduction says, Pavlov's house was a fortified apartment building uh, used as a strong point by the Soviet uh, 62nd Army during the pivotal Battle of Stalingrad in World War II. Uh, Soviet defenders, primarily from the 7th Rifle Company and 3rd Machine Gun Company, 3rd Rifle Battalion, 42nd Guards Rifle Regiment of the 13th Guard Division, held out for almost two months from a constant German assault. The building's name was drawn from Yakov Pavlov, a sergeant who led the initial storm group assault that resulted in the capture of the building from the Germans. The story of Pavlov's house was a key piece of Soviet propaganda and was used as a symbol of the incredible resistance of Soviet forces during the Battle of Stalingrad. Yay! Um, as a history teacher, uh, um, I immediately um, sought this game out. And uh, being a solo player, I doubled down that sought this game out part. Um, the uh, let's get into uh, um, the parts of uh, of the uh, overview nuts and bolts is uh, um, the mechanisms. So what do you do? They talk about uh, what you have are um, two different uh, decks of cards. Now the board is divided into uh, three areas, and it's interesting that it goes from right to left rather than left to right, like you know we would read a book. Um, but it starts uh, from uh, uh, macro to micro. So on the right-hand side of the board is the zones or areas that are going to be bombed, uh, the support areas of the Soviets that are going to be bombed by the Germans. Um, and there's uh, um, uh, like artillery, there's uh, mortar, there are uh, communication lines. And in that part of the board is one of the elements of how this game will end is if there a certain target is uh, destroyed twice, game's over. That's one of the ways you can lose, lose at this game. Um, in that phase, you grab what's called the Soviet deck, and in that deck are the actions that you can perform. And typically you have three, you deal yourself four cards, and the card is divided top and bottom of uh, the actions that you can take that are in the different zones of, uh, of the right-handed side of support. Um, and uh, so in that, you can decide if you're going to remove some disturbance tokens, which are kind of like bombing marks. Um, and those bombing marks, if you, if you don't use one of those uh, uh, options in the card selection to start removing these tokens, um, as it bombs, if let's say, uh, uh, target 11 already has a disruption token, then you keep going up and find the next empty one. And the last, I think, is spot 18 because you roll, when it's getting bombed, you roll 3d6. So spot 18 is that endpoint where you have to protect. So if you ignore the removal of these disturbance tokens, you're going to railway, you, you, you know, stuff in your, your, your game into a, a crash at the end. So there's that, there's that delicate balance of that. There's also the delicate balance of when do you put more artillery on 
for um, trying to shoot down these bombers that are trying to drop disruption tokens. Uh, when are you going to put mortars that will help support the next phase, which is the central part of the board, which is called the German deck, or, or where you have six tracks that are coincidentally representative of a D6 role when the infantry and armor are coming out. And it's basically um, six uh, on three sides of the building, you're getting attacked by a uh, left side has one and two and the top side has three, four, five and the right side has six. And these tracks are what's going to get populated with, like I said, artillery and armor as this huge massive deck of, I think about 150 cards, you have to survive that deck <laughs> and wow, that is difficult, okay? Um, so that being said, you have this assault, this constant assault of like two months worth of assault. Um, coming onto Pavlov's house, we shift over to the far left side of the board, which is the inside of the house with the soldiers tokens that you're moving around into different positions on the different three sides of the house. Um, uh, and these, these soldiers range from very generic, uh, shoot once kind of person, or you have uh, a machine gunner's nest, or you have an, uh, an armored divisions uh, um, a nest where you're able to fire on tanks. And it's all dice roll. There's a lot of probability chance. Um, and I'm usually not a big fan of probability and chance. But thematically speaking, this is okay. This makes sense. This is... I mean, there's a lot of times where I'll roll it. Um, the famous sniper from the Soviets is uh, Chekhov, and it's not that Star Trek guy. Um, but he he is the most powerful sniper on the board. And when he ever when he shoots, he rolls four dice. And how 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 it works is your your uh, the German token has a defense value that you're trying to beat on a D6. If you can meet it, you beat it, kind of thing. And uh, with Chekhov, he, he's so good; he gets to he gets four rolls. But if you know me, I'm a D and D party's best friend because I'm a DM who rolls a lot of ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So there's that part. But I mean, yeah. There's that's that frenetic, you know, uh, energy that is this thematically believable with that randomness role. Um, moving on. So how do you win this game? You basically survive the deck and there is a point system for every um, uh, German infantry or armored division left on the tracks is minus a certain amount of points. Um, in this whole onslaught of, of, uh, of German pressure coming, you're also in a situation where you're going to do little kind of sorties at night where where you get to, I mean, they just didn't stay in the house. They they had missions to go and recapture certain points in Stalingrad, which is representative in intervals of these cards where um, you go and do a storm group. And it's basically that, that internal house objective going, okay, you, you, and you, and you, you're going to hit that building and you're going to go and try and take it out. And you send these individuals out. They all represent a dice value. You have to roll against a certain defense value. And if you do, you get the victory points. Um, and at the end of the game, there is a mastery level 
right? Um, uh, okay, first of all, if you can finish the game and survive <laughs> to the end of the deck, then you get to do your point score and compare it to uh, um, a uh, mastery level. Um, but uh, wait, not done yet. If this game isn't hard enough at a base level, you can, there's a couple variations. There's an operational deck, which I think helps out the Russian side because it's one of those things where um, at a certain point, if you want to sacrifice these resources that will leave the game completely, you can get these victory points. Um, and while this card's in play, it can't disrupt certain things. So that I think that's more of uh, a balancing factor. If you're losing too much at the base game, put the operational deck in because it, it'll save some of those bombing runs uh, affecting you traumatically. Now, that being said, there's also what's called a tactics deck, which um, on each turn, because it's basically rinse and repeat. You do the Soviet deck, you do the, the German deck, and then you do uh, the Pavlov's house. Then you go back to the beginning, take four cards, decide which ones you're going to do for your actions. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I think already you know where I'm going with my opinion of this one. So uh, opinions, we always like to do some outside in and the box art. Uh, I'm going to quickly show people who are watching, but this is what the box art looks like. Um, it, it Pavlov's house, once you start reading it, the, the Battle of Stalingrad, and once you understand that it's it's people being protected inside a house, uh, the 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 blasted out brick uh, is is so thematically and visually connected to uh, what's going on, and also the the concrete uh, face of the soldier is very reflective of the angular and and uh, rough art style of that era. Um, so I think just those two subtle uh, choices of imagery completely draw me and convince me that, yeah, I know what I'm getting into. And then, of course, uh, a black background with red letters. Well, that, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's like, you know, War Game mm. Graphics 101. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, the box art is awesome. Uh, the components, pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, Dave Thompson is awesome awesome when it comes to understanding that the, the the first important thing about the game is the game the content the, the how it plays um so there's no cluttering of oh i want this big awesome miniature no these are chits um round tokens and uh and decks of cards that ryan you'll be happy to know after game one i sleeved them all Holy crap, that is two games I've played with you now that are sleeved. Over 200 cards slaved. <laughs> turning and for people who know, that's like sit down because, whoo, really? LePage sleeps some cards. Okay. Um, so, uh, the, yeah, the components, they're great. I mean, they, they are what they are, and their purpose is to make the game work, and they do a wonderful job. Um, the rule book is yeah it's pretty it's pretty i mean uh white background awesome uh a dark text uh very good uh displays of cards like i mean uh like 
overly large. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, if it's a war game, it's old guys like me playing, and uh, there's no kind of like holding this six feet away to read it. It's it's pretty. It's it's out. It's right in your face. It's awesome. Um, as far as the formatting of the rule book goes, brilliant. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a cleaner. Um, and when I mean clean, I don't mean the, the game itself, but I mean my understanding of, of, of the rules. There's, there's, there was, at, and, and no moment in this whole book was I in a gray area of understanding what they meant. So good on that. Uh, the game system and the game style. Um, yeah, this is, this is like one of those video games where it's like, I just want to clear another level. I just want to clear another level. Okay, one more level. Okay, one more level. Right? That whole cycle of you start to the you start on your Soviet deck, you pick what you want to do. That affects how the 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 German deck comes out and then the Pavlov's house is fixing all that little you know meta uh, micro stuff and then back to this one. Okay, we'll do that again. Okay, back to the beginning again. And it is such an addictive cycle that uh has such imperative of what I'm trying to do, are these cards going to allow me to have, have the, the, the soldiers in the house accomplish what they need? Oh, man, I need this card because if I don't get this card, I can't put this defense out. And right, there's just that, that ratcheting up every round. It's awesome. Um, the unique mechanism, we always like to talk about unique mechanisms. And um, I, you know what? I think this whole game is <laughs> unique in the fact that at any moment did I realize that I was playing a solo game. I was so dialed into, like, like as I just described, it was just, once I got on that track, it was, I'm not stopping until this deck stops and I can't, even my children are like, dad, dad, eyes here, eyes here, dad, over <laughs> here, eyes here, right? Um, so That's yeah, I was, I was so compelled um, by the system into the what the game was trying to do so yeah i think that whole that whole right to left is really cool and the idea you know what that's the unique thing the right to left and the idea of we're going to go from a wide angle lens down to a close-up and then we're going to pop out again wide angle lens down to a close-up mm. um does this all connect absolutely um is it is it follow identically the historical pattern no but you do understand what it took for them to hang out for two months and and there was loss of life there was trauma there was yeah um al and i uh, i keep talking about al as a, a good friend of mine who's a, another history teacher um we always are trying to find these games that allow enough simulation and experiential learning for them to either be compelled to learn more about it or to actually have a context um, of understanding so that any other relatable event, they have this repertoire of, of knowledge that they can base it off of. So yeah, I think it, I think it does a fantastic job. So kudos to, to David Thompson um, for doing some great research. And the, the tokens, the Soviet tokens, are all individuals as best uh, could, as historically represented. So my conclusions, I'm gonna keep this nice and simple and straightforward is um, this is one of those games that you get exactly what you expect and more.
Um, I didn't, I, I did my research. Um, I went and found this game out. Uh, I played it and was so surprised at the fact that um, I think I played four times in a row. Yeah. And it was, and a good thing was on the weekend because it was one of those, it's two in the morning, I should go to bed. Wait, one more turn. No, wait, one more turn, right? So um, yeah, this is top shelf, all the way top shelf. So interesting. That, yeah. Um, that being said, what do you, what are your thoughts on this? Cause I know you're not a big history war game guy. Yeah, nope. But, um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like my wheelhouse at all, but was there, was there anything in there that you went, okay, that's an interesting track being manipulated by this, by that. So as far as the, the mechanics, yeah, I, pro I probably won't play this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is not my wheelhouse. Yeah. This is, I can definitely see how passionate you okay. were talking about it. This is a normal page game and this, right through and through. And this vice versa, when, when you're doing ashes, I'm like, I, I, you know, I liked, I like my card game sometimes, but you're just like <laughs> froth. So, yeah. So, so we, yeah. I like the theme of this episode was that we each pick games that neither of us, they were like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to run out and get that one. But, but you know, honestly though, uh, watching uh, Robin, you do your ashes stuff. Uh, I, I didn't miss an episode and I was, I was dialed in. So yes to that spectator sport. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So that's uh, for me, Pavlov's yeah, house. Maybe I just have to actually like see the game yeah. being played. Maybe yeah. there, there's got to be videos out there. I th yes. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think I might have to do one as well because um, this is, I think you would be compelled by the puzzle. Mm. By the puzzle that is like tick, 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 tick. And it gets louder. And it's like a drip that keeps getting louder and faster and you don't know how to turn it off oh, it's the telltale <laughs> heart all over again <laughs> so uh yeah i yeah this definitely if 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 anything that you heard about what i had to say about this game appeals to you um this is part of a series and i think he's got another uh, uh another one that's coming out just right away soon so we'll let you know that uh and that being said let's wow. wrap this <laughs> Wow, did we have two drastically different games? Oh, yeah. yeah the pendulum <laughs> swung big time. Um, and, but, and both games are like so niche. Oh, yeah. Into the hobby. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That's, I mean, if, if we both had the same taste, then we'd be pretty, like, you know. Oh, this would be a, a one show, a one note podcast. <laughs> it's like, this, show, this show would be yeah. even more boring yeah. than it actually and, is. And that note would be demolished. But don't. Uh, and yeah, with, with that dad joke being delivered, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. Let's get ready to rumble. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.